0: Thank you for tuning in to the RPC Sermon Series podcast. You're about to hear a live sermon, which was recorded at our 11 a.m. contemporary service. We are thrilled to share it with you. Thank you for listening. Welcome once again. Thanks for tuning in this morning. I want you to know that we are continuing to reach out to our mission partners. We're coordinating with them to reach out into our community. We want to make sure everyone is taken care of. Also, I wanted you to know that um, this week you're gonna be receiving a phone call from either a Stephen minister or one of our church elders. We wanna reach out, make sure everybody knows that they're cared for, know that there are resources available if they do need care. Um, we're also sending a, a, a daily devotional we're calling Closing the Distance. It's written by the pastors. If you would like to receive that and haven't yet, update your uh, email on the church website. You can also join the conversation on our community group Facebook page where they're um, having a conversation about the scripture passage that week. Last week, Julie gave a fantastic sermon on the figure of Barabbas. And today we're gonna look at a guy by the name of Joseph of Arimathea. Joseph of Arimathea. His story is taken up in Mark 15 verses 42 through 47. Let us listen for the word of the Lord. When evening had come, and since it was the day of preparation, that is, the day before the Sabbath, Joseph of Arimathea, a respected member of the council who was also himself waiting expectantly for the kingdom of God, went boldly to Pilate and asked for the body of Jesus. Then Pilate wondered if he were already dead, and summoning the centurion, he asked him whether he had been dead for some time. When he learned from the centurion that he was dead, he granted the body to Joseph, Then Joseph bought a linen cloth and taking down the body, wrapped it in the linen cloth and laid it in a tomb that had been hewn out of the rock. He then rolled a stone against the door of the tomb. Mary Magdalene and Mary, the mother of Joseph, saw where the body was laid. This is the word of the Lord. Thanks be to God. Let us pray. Gracious and loving God, we ask that in the next few moments you might be our teacher that you by your spirit might speak a word into our hearts that only you can speak. Lord, we are living in unprecedented times and we need your presence in our lives. This world needs it. And so God, we ask that, that through my words and your word might be spoken, that we might hear the good news offered to us in Jesus Christ. Now may the words of my mouth and the meditations of our hearts be pleasing, in your sight, our rock and our redeemer, amen. Well, what happens when fear meets faith? I heard someone tell the story of a couple of two little boys, the ages of 8 and 10. They had a reputation for being very mischievous. The two were always getting in trouble. Their parents were pretty sure that if they heard there was trouble going on in town, their sons were involved. The parents eventually got to their wits end and they didn't know what to do. And the mother had heard of a clergyman in town who had been very successful in disciplining and changing the attitudes and behavior of young boys. And so she went to her husband and she said, do you think you know, it might be good that we send the boys to talk to him? And the husband said, you know, we might as well because I'm about to lose my temper. And so the clergyman agreed to meet with the boys, but asked to see them individually. So the eight-year-old went in first, and the clergyman sat him down and and asked him, and he asked him sternly, where is God? The boy was silent, didn't say anything. And so the clergyman asked again with a, a sterner tone, said, where is God? Still nothing from the boy. So a third time, the clergyman says with an even stronger tone, where is God? At that The boy jumped up and bolted from the room and ran directly home and he hid himself in the closet. His older brother came into the closet and went in and sat next to him. And the young boy said, we are in big trouble this time. God is missing and they think we did it. Doesn't that little boy illustrate what we often do when we encounter fear, when we're scared, when we're trapped, we just want to run and hide. Today, I think most of us understand this feeling quite well. I think a lot of us are feeling fearful, and we just want to run and hide in the closet and shut it. But I think by looking at the figure of Joseph of Arimathea, I want to wrestle with this question. What happens when fear meets faith? The story we heard from the Gospel of Mark is actually recorded in all four of our Gospels. Matthew, Mark, Luke, and John all think Joseph of Arimathea, and this story is important to the story of Jesus. Now, I don't know if you know this, but a lot of scholars say that um, that his friends used the diminutive of his name, and he was actually known as Joe, Joe of Arimathea. And if we piece together the stories from the Gospels, we get a really interesting and vivid picture of who Joe was. See, do you remember who Joe was? He was a member of the very council that had condemned Jesus to have to die. Mark says he was a respected member of the council. Yet, guess what? Even though he was on the council, even though we find out in one of the other gospels that he was a friend of Jesus he remains silent when this injustice is going on against one of his friends he keeps quiet he's silent and so they condemn Jesus to death the gospel of Matthew includes another interesting detail about Joe it says that Joe is rich we wonder Did he remain silent because he wanted to protect his wealth? Yet, after Jesus is dead, he boldly goes to Pilate and asks if he can take care of the body of Jesus. But there on the council, he remains silent. Why was he silent? Why? Why didn't he speak up for his friend? The Gospel of John says this. After these things, Joseph of Arimathea, who was a disciple of Jesus... Though a secret one, because of his fear of the Jews, asked Pilate to let him take away the body of Jesus. He was silent because he was scared. But after Jesus dies, he rediscovers his boldness. He goes and collects Jesus' body and and he buries the body in his own tomb. Joe seems to be like a lot of us, doesn't he? Silently cowering in in fear at one moment and then boldly stepping forward in the next. Using our, our power, our wealth to insulate us from danger in one second. And then boldly risking to take care of someone in need the next. I think we can observe four spiritual truths in this story about Joseph of Arimathea. Shows the relationship of what happens when fear meets faith. Think they're applicable to any time and to any place, but especially to our own time now. As we think about fear meeting faith in the, the life of Joe of Arimathea, I think we might ask the question, to quote Jimi Hendrix, hey Joe, where are you going with that fear in your heart? The first principle. Your wealth can insulate you from danger or it can enable courageous discipleship. It can insulate you from danger or it can be used for courageous discipleship. The Gospel of Matthew says that Joe of Arimathea is rich. And when fear drives your financial decisions, You will use your wealth to do everything in your power to try to protect yourself. And I don't think that's necessarily a bad thing, but it can become a bad thing when it is fear is always driving your decisions. You will miss out on the opportunity to bless others. Remember, Also in the Gospel of Matthew, Jesus says, it is easier for a camel to go through the eye of a needle than for the rich to enter the kingdom of God. Jesus again and again in the New Testament warns us about the seductive nature of wealth, how it can trap us, how it can enslave us. But notice how in a a brief few days, Joe will go from stinginess to generosity. He's a rich man on the council and he's cowering in fear, in silence, but now he steps out boldly to go get and take care of Jesus' body. And now Joe even takes Jesus' body and buries him in a tomb hewn from a a rock that had never been used. It's interesting that only the well-to-do usually had private tombs. This was probably Joseph's. And yet he takes the body of Jesus and he's generous. He takes care of Christ, his body. Let's him use it. He says, I will need you this sacred act to offer dignity. We are called to use our wealth to bless others. Otherwise, our stuff will own us. I remember the story of a wealthy lawyer who once uh, parked out at the side of a road. He opened the door of his BMW and then suddenly out of nowhere, a a car comes screaming by and it hits the BMW and rips the door off. And then it continues to drive on. And the lawyer was outraged and he immediately called the police. When the police arrived at the scene, the lawyer was furious. He said, officer, look what the person did to my Beamer. You have to find him and you have to arrest him. Now, the officer was a little irritated. He says, you you lawyers are so materialistic. You make me sick. You're so upset about your stupid BMW. You didn't even notice that your, your left arm was ripped off in the accident. And the lawyer looks down, says, oh no, my Rolex. Greed and fear can make us look silly. As the spiritual writer and teacher Richard Rohr once said, a saint always knows that there is more than enough for our need, but never enough for our greed. There is always enough for our need, but there will never be enough for our greed. Let's use our wealth, what God has blessed us with, not to insulate ourselves from danger, but to go out and to bless and serve others. The second principle, when fear meets faith, whatever has control of the steering wheel of your life will determine most of your other decisions. Whatever is at the steering wheel of your life will determine all your other decisions. At the front of our brains are two almond-shaped structures called the amygdala. And when we sense something through our five senses, sight, hear, smell, taste, or touch something, a signal goes off in our brain and it goes straight to the amygdala. And the amygdala has been called the the center for emotions, emotional behavior, and motivation. And so before the mind is even conscious of that sense, the amygdala makes a quick initial determination if what you've sensed is a threat. And if it perceives a threat, it will release hormones in your brain and throughout your body. And this is why you, your, your heart might race. You might breathe faster. Your, your mouth might become dry. This happens unconsciously. These fear sensors in your amygdala go off. And that's a good thing. They protect us. That helps you jump out of the way of the oncoming car. It helps our species through evolution to survive. But if the amygdala runs your life, if fear is at the steering wheel of your life, you're in deep trouble. Sitting in the council, Joe is is paralyzed by fear. He can't speak up, he doesn't say anything. Even as the chief priests are bringing false accusations against Christ, Joe doesn't say a word. Sits in silence. Fear leads to his silence. But then, then Jesus dies. And Joe begins to see things differently. And he goes boldly, confidently to ask for Pilate for the body of Christ. What has changed for, for Joe? Why the difference? How did he go from fear to faith? I think it must have been witnessing Christ's love and courage on the cross. Or maybe it was listening to Jesus ha- have that conversation on the cross with, with the two thieves on his left and his right. When Jesus says, You will be in paradise with me. Or maybe he heard the centurion after Jesus had died exclaim, oh, surely this man was the Son of God. His faith overcomes his fear, and that faith leads to boldness. We cannot let fear paralyze us. The third principle, when we are tempted to fear, we need friends. When we are tempted to fear, we need friends. Notice what the Gospel of John says in verse 39. Nicodemus, who had first come to Jesus by night, also came bringing a mixture of myrrh and aloes, weighing about 100 pounds. They took the body of Jesus and wrapped it with spices and linen cloths according to the burial custom of the Jews. John is saying here, Joe was not alone. He had a friend, Nicodemus, whom he called Nick. Joe and Nick there. Taking care of the body of Jesus. A hundred pounds of myrrh and aloes. Do you realize how many spices that is? They're taking care of Him. They're in this together. They're not alone. We all need friends in times of fear. When we're scared. When we're in in the trenches of life. Who's down in there with us? Who's on our speed dial list? Who can we email? Who can we call? Who can call us? who has us on their speed dial. I have a list of people I call when I'm scared or afraid. I trust that that these people will know the right things to say to me at the right time. So sometimes I'll be fearful and they'll say, Myers, suck it up. But at other times they might say, hey man, we are in this with you. We're going to make it through this. We need people in our corner. We need friends. A couple of weeks ago I was talking to two staff people and I was telling them how I was really worried about uh, that week's particular sermon. I said it's not really coming together. I don't think it's going to be any good. What am I going to do? No one's going to like it. And one of the staff people hadn't really ever heard me talk like that before and a look of worry came across her face. But the other person in the room had heard that before and she turns and says, don't worry about him he says this every week at this time he says it's part of his process and i thought you're right this is a part of the freak out is a part of my process (laughs) but we need people who can tell us the truth who are in there with us when we face times of fear we need friends over the next week Stephen ministers and elders at the church are going to be calling every household of our congregation. Why? To let them know they have a friend. If they are scared, if they're fearful, they have a friend in this community. We care about them. We are praying for each other. Do you need to go to the grocery store? Do you need me to run to the pharmacy? Do you just need someone to talk to? In times of fear, we need friends to to get through it. Joe and Nick had each other in their time of need. When we face our fears, we need friends too. Principle four, for when faith meets fear. When you're tempted to fear, remember the foundation of your faith. When you're tempted to fear, remember the foundation of your faith. Joe didn't know what God was going to do. But he knew Jesus, and he knew, he knew death was not going to have the final word. In today's passage from Mark, it reads, When he learned from the centurion that he was dead, he granted the body of Joseph. Then Joseph bought a linen cloth, and taking down the body, wrapped it in the linen cloth and laid it in a tomb that had been hewn out of the rock. He then rolled a stone against the door of the tomb. Joseph of Arimathea, the man who had remained silent at Jesus' trial, has now gone and gotten Jesus' body. He has embalmed it, placed it in his own tomb, and now he's rolled a stone against the door. He's been transformed from being a man of fear to being a man of faith while sitting At the trial, he had remained silent. Now he is a man of action, a man of courage. He treats Jesus' body with dignity. He's gone from fear to faith. Faith, not in the sense of intellectually knowing all the facts, he doesn't know what the future holds, but he's got faith, he's got trust. He knows whom he trusts. He trusts in the God who created all things. Trust in the God who gave us the miracle of life. He trusts that now the man who sits behind that stone, the God revealed in him, will triumph over death. He's searching for resurrection, and he knows who can resurrect the dead. And in three days, that's exactly what he's going to get. This past week, we celebrated St. Patrick's Day. And I've never really thought much about St. Patrick until this week, and I had a little extra time to, to study his past, and it was really interesting. I, I discovered that Patrick lived in the fifth century. He was born in Britain. He grew up as a son of privilege, didn't believe in God, wasn't a Christian, and wasn't really curious or interested in spiritual questions. Then one day, out of nowhere, as a, as a young man, Pirates, Irish pirates, broke into his house and kidnapped him. And they took him to Ireland and they sold him off as an, to an Irish warlord. He was scared to death. There he was, in Ireland, he was forced into slavery where he tended sheep. As he looked back later in his life on that time, for six years he was in captivity tending to the sheep. He said it was so boring, there was nothing to do except begin to reflect on what was important in his life. What did he really care about? What did he trust? He said there in isolation, there in captivity, he found spiritual freedom. He went from being a man of fear to becoming a man of faith in his time alone and in his loneliness there on on the vistas of Ireland He had the opportunity to reflect on what he really cared about, what was at the center of his life, and that changed everything. Eventually, he escaped, made his way back to Britain, got theological education, and was called to ministry, and he went back to Ireland as a missionary, and he transformed that country with the good news of Jesus Christ that he shared. He wrote a number of books about his experiences. I found a quote that I want to share with you. He says this. For daily I expect to be murdered or betrayed or reduced to slavery if the occasion arises. But I fear nothing because of the promises of heaven. For I have cast myself into the hands of Almighty God who reigns everywhere. As the prophet says, cast your burden on the Lord and he will sustain you. Friends, let's cast our burdens on the Lord. Let us trust in the God who can sustain us, the God who intervened behind that stone in that tomb three days later and resurrected Jesus from the dead. Let us go from being people of fear to being people of faith who put their trust in Jesus Christ. Let's pray. Gracious and loving God, we thank you that you have called us to be people of faith. Lord, we pray that we might have the courage, we might have the hope, we might have the faith, and yes, Lord, we might have the love. We might be able to serve one another and to serve you, especially in this time of need. There's many who are in fear, but let us be people of faith. In your name we pray, amen. Thank you so much for listening to the RPC Sermon Series podcast. If you'd like more info about Roswell Presbyterian Church, check out our website at roswellpres.org.